Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to, to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. At some point in your life, you may have heard someone say, after all I've done for them, this is what they've done to me. Now, it's possible that the person who said that was exaggerating. It's possible that they were only representing their side of the story. Or it's possible they were being judgmental. Or they were being unloving. Or they were being unforgiving of the people that were doing something to them. But if there was anyone in the Bible, apart from Jesus and a few others, who could honestly make such a statement, it was the Apostle Paul. He could honestly say, after all I've done for them, this is what they've done to me. It wasn't just unbelievers, those outside the church who were criticizing him. After all that he had sacrificially done for the believers in Galatia, Ephesus, Antioch, Jerusalem, and in Corinth, he was criticized by his brothers and his sisters in these churches for his teaching, his apostleship, his ministry to the Gentiles, his writings, his behavior, his manner of speech, and even his looks. They were criticizing him on every level. His own brothers and sisters. They were like you know, coming at him. 
But as we read last week in the first two verses of this same chapter, chapter 10, although Paul is forced into defending himself, he does so with humility and the gentleness of Christ. He says, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I want to do. I want to respond with humility and with gentleness. He reasserts his belonging to Christ and that it is Christ that has given him authority. Now, right there, our tendency would be to assert the authority that Christ has given us to do what? To tear down the opposition. You're coming against me? God has given me authority. Let me tell you, what, you know, why you're wrong. But listen to what Paul says. He, has, he says, Paul, Christ has given me authority to build you up, not to tear you down. So you're coming against me. You're criticizing me. You're doing all of these things. I'm going to respond with humility and gentleness. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to remind you of the authority Christ has given me, not so that I can exert that authority over you, but to try to build you up. I, I'm going to come in that way. I'm going to respond in that way. In, so here's the point that I want to make. If you feel that you're, if you ever feel that you're being criticized unfairly, and you can think of this at any age, right? Even at age three, the child is going, that's not fair. You let my brother get away with this. You let my sister get away with this. And all through our lives, we feel that we are being criticized. We are being found fault with. We are, something is coming against us unfairly. It's unjust. This person, you know, they, they, don't, know the, they don't know what happened, you know. And we, we, we react to unfair criticism. But before you determine how best you can stand up to your attackers and what your counterattack should be, and, and by the way, remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not using weapons of the world. We're not coming against people who criticize with all sorts of counter-arguments. So before you do anything to come back at this, make sure to do three things that Paul does here that should be a lesson for us. So anytime you're criticized, in any way that you're criticized, doesn't matter, right? Think of three, these three things. One, know who you are in Christ which means to affirm your identity in Christ. And it also means that you know what your calling is in Christ. If somebody is criticizing you for who you are and what you do, your answer should be not, well, you're right, you know, or you're wrong, but rather to go back to say, this is what Christ has called me to. This is the calling of God in my life. This is the position he's placed me in. This is what he's asked me to do. This is the sphere of service that the Lord has assigned to me. And if you're asserting that, if you're reaffirming that, if you know where you should step into, it doesn't matter what somebody else is saying. It doesn't matter what the criticism is. You're able to say, I know what the Lord has called me to. So number one, know who you are in Christ. Know your identity in Christ. Know what your calling is in Christ, and know what the sphere of authority, the sphere of, of influence that you're supposed to have. What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to do that? Right? Number two, pray earnestly to get rid of all the pride and ego and outrage 
that you would experience when somebody starts to criticize you. After all that I have done for them, this is what they're saying to me, causes all sorts of stuff to come up. And we, we're proud. We're proud people. We say, mm, how come they're saying this about me? Right? How dare they say this about me? But, but pray and say, Lord, remove all the pride. Remove any ego. Remove any outrage. And instead, let me be filled with the humility and gentleness of Christ. That's a whole different experience. So if I'm being criticized and my response is to say, Lord God, none of me, all of you, in your gentleness, in your humility, in your wisdom, in the character and nature of Christ himself, come and fill me in that way. I assure you our response to criticism will be different. Right? And then number three, ask the Lord for wisdom and power to do everything possible to build up your attackers in the Lord. You know, number one and two that I've said so far, you may be like, oh, okay, all right, fine, I'll do that. But number three goes even further. It's not just sufficient to deal appropriately with the criticism that's coming at you. Now you have to look for a way to build up the person who's criticizing you. You can't do any of this without God, clearly. So, but, but you see what the Lord calls us to, the standard that he has? It's not to say, oh, okay, you know, I'll bite my tongue. I, I won't react. It is to say, I'm going to find out. I'm going to ask the Lord, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give me the power to build up this person, to build up this person that is coming against me. So, we want to look at these examples of Paul. We want to understand these things, and we want to say, Lord God, how can I apply this in my life? Now, when Paul's critics were coming at him, when they were criticizing him, they were comparing him to others. They said, you know, you're not as good as the other apostles. You're not as effective. You know, we're, we're, with, the, we're with the better apostles. We're with the super apostles. You, not so good. They were comparing him to others. They were minimizing or denying his qualifications. You're not qualified. You're not, you know, in position to say these things. And essentially, they did not commend Paul. You know, that's what the passage says, that they would not commend him because he didn't measure up to their standards. They said, this is what it should be, and you don't measure up. And so we don't commend you. We don't speak positively about you. We criticize you. But in this passage, I want to turn your attention to three different kinds of commendations that Paul refers to in these verses 12 to 18. And the first one is commendations from others. Seeking commendations from others or giving commendations to others is typically tied to making a comparison. We are commended when we outdo somebody else, right? We, there's a comparison that takes place. Every award at any competition 
is based on comparing the performance of the competitors. Early in life, we start to look for commendations from our parents or those that are in authority over us. And as we continue to grow and get a little older and so on, we compete and we look for commendations in our schools, in our sports, in our extracurricular activities, and we seek the commendation of teachers and coaches, and we want somebody to say, oh, that's good, that's good, you've done well. We seek those kind of affirmations and commendations. Later in life, we tout our job title, I'm a senior vice president of this, 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 I'm the director of that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this. We, tight, we tout our job titles, we tout our incomes, we tout our achievements, and we describe our worldly successes because we are seeking the commendation of family, of friends, of colleagues, and now with social media, even strangers. Somebody who doesn't even know who we are, we want them to say, wow, like, you know, uh, something, someone to acknowledge what we've done, who we are, where we stand. We look for commendations and all of this to prove that we've at least kept up with or outdone the Joneses. You know the expression, keeping up with the Joneses, meaning keeping up with your neighbors, keeping up with those that seem to have privilege or status or whatever else. And what have we done? We've done the exact same thing. We're trying to keep up with them. We're trying to set a certain image. We try to be seen in a certain way. And we want commendation that affirms that we've done all that stuff. Now, as we strive to be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil, we will naturally receive awards, be recognized, and be commended. That's fine. I'm not at all saying don't compete in something, don't get an award. That's not the point that I'm making at all. It is not a bad thing to celebrate these achievements. We just have to be mindful. We have to take our thoughts captive that we don't allow the commendations of others to determine our self-worth. We can't be looking to commendations as the way to define who we are, as the way to say, this is my value. A million people liked my post. I must be something. No. That's not the way to define who we are and our self-worth. In fact, Paul says he does not dare to classify or compare himself to others. Why, the, why use the word dare to? Because in the sight of God, he knows that would be a mistake. So he says, I don't even dare to classify myself or to compare myself with others. He says that he does not boast of his own works or the works of others. Now, we're reading in this passage, we'll read in the next few chapters, he gives a list of activities and things that he's done and all these kinds of things. And again, I'm, like I said last week, saying it now, say it again, he feels almost like he's needing to defend himself or to express himself in these ways. But listen for the spiritual truths and the points that he's making that need to apply in our lives. The main point here, don't be looking for, don't be seeking or be defined by the commendations from others. 
Okay? Now, in addition to safeguarding against seeking commendations from others, it's not just, you know, that we have to be careful about that. We have to also be careful that we don't seek commendations from ourselves. That's what Paul refers to here too. Paul says in verse 12 that when we measure ourselves by ourselves and compare ourselves with ourselves, with our own standards, our own definition of what is moral or what is right, our own measures of success that are influenced by the world, the flesh, our dev you know, the devil. He says when you do that, when you compare yourself to yourself, when you say of yourself, I am whatever, you are not being wise. It is foolishness. It is not wise. And as we've seen before, lack of wisdom in the Bible is pointing to a lack of God. When you start to compare yourself with yourself, when you say, I'm doing pretty well, and God is not in the picture, Paul is saying, that's not wise. Anything that you do in life, anything that you are describing about your behavior and who you are and what you do, it needs to be in God, because of God, you know, defined by God, all of that. When God is not in the picture, it's not wise. Lack of wisdom then means that when we commend ourselves, it is self-centered, self-promoting, self-fulfilling. It becomes a selfish view of the world, self-oriented. Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. He said, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Keep in mind that when Paul is talking to Timothy in this way, and as we've seen in the previous chapters about not being unequally yoked, he's really referring to people in the body of Christ. Those that would even identify themselves as Christian, having a form of godliness, but no power. No power to live according to the word, but rather appropriating the outer sort of cover or the appearance of it, living completely different internally. So he says, this is what's going to happen in the last days. And you don't have to go very far to see all of these behaviors in in ourselves and in folks around us. People have become lovers of self. One of the things that you will notice even in Christian circles is a lot of self-help books, seminars, all sorts of other things. Be a better you. Right? Be the best you. Realize your fullest potential. Strive to be the best version of yourself. And all of those ideas, 
although they have a kernel of truth in them, are more focused or can be more focused on self rather than on God. And that's what we have to be careful about. Again, I am not, a, not in the slightest implying or suggesting that you shouldn't address things that are going on in your life. If there is any kind of hurt from the past, if there are wounds that have to be healed, if there's trauma that has to be dealt with, if there's any other thing that you need to get counsel for and you need help to be able to deal with, get the help that you need. Be a better you, by all means. But the end goal is not you. The end goal is that you would be in Christ. The end goal is that you will find that fulfillment, that identity, that meaning, that value, the purpose, the self-worth, all of that in Christ. Not because you have defined it for yourself. That's what Paul is warning against. Don't commend yourself to yourself as if to make yourself feel good. Don't measure yourself by yourself. I'm doing pretty well. By whose standard? Your standard. Well, that gets you into trouble because now you become entirely self-focused and so inward-focused that you can cave in on yourself. There is no outer strength. There is no support from God. There is no structure into which you are able to grow and live and move and have your being. You're on your own. So Paul is saying, don't measure yourselves by yourselves. Don't define your own measures and then say, I'm good. The world around us has quickly moved to that kind of a point of view. Right? So it becomes very individualistic and it becomes very relative. It's good for you. I'm doing something different. It's good for me. There is no objective standard that transcends both of us. It's my standard, your standard, their standard. doesn't matter. That is where we are lovers of self, not lovers of God. That's where we have elevated self over everything else. And that's what Paul is warning against. He says, don't commend yourselves in that way. Don't measure yourselves in that way. Don't be in this kind of way of living. So if all of that is going on, and, and he's pointing out these things, he says, don't live like this. Don't, don't compare yourself to others. Don't be giving people, you know, commendations in order to get something back and then so on. You know, don't be commending yourself. Don't measure yourself. Why? Because there's a better way for our lives than all of those options. And that better way is that we would receive commendations from God. Not from others, not from ourselves, but from God. So he says, and he's, Paul is reminding us, not to be boastful. But if we are to boast about anything, let it not be about how many likes I got on Facebook. Don't point to the commendations or awards from people. Instead, if you must say anything at all when criticized, humbly and gently point to the Lord's approval and commendations. Point to the Lord saying that he has approved, that he has commended. We'll get in a little bit more about this. But, I, but, but here's the reason why. Unlike us, God does not compare us to anyone else when he commends us. He doesn't say, John, you've done a great job. You've done much better than Peter. Good job. 
He doesn't. Look at every single time where the Lord commends somebody, where the Lord says, this is good, where the Lord says, good and faithful servant, or where the Lord says, you have been obedient. He doesn't make a comparison. He speaks to that individual. He says, this is what, what you've done here. This is good. You've been obedient. And it deals with that person. God, who knows the condition and the motivations of our hearts even better than we know ourselves, God, who rightly evaluates the work of our hands even when no one else is aware of it, God, who is able to intervene in a situation and know all the different things that are going on that we can be oblivious to, God commends us, God commends us and recommends us or approves us for our being obedient to him, faithful to our calling, sacrificial to our own hurt, led by the Holy Spirit, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve others. That's the measure. The building others up. The working and receiving spiritual gifts and the working out, exercising of those gifts for the common good. The way that we have to be united in the body of Christ to be able to build up our brothers and our sisters. The fact that we would be members of one body but we will work together in unity to serve and to build up that body. All of these things are pointing to the fact that the, that the way that the Lord commends us is that we would allow for his power to work in us to build others up, to serve others. Paul says, I know the sphere of the service that the Lord has called me to, not the sphere of my authority. He's speaking about the authority that God has given him, but he says this authority and this power and this everything that the Lord has given is so that I can serve you, so that I can build you up. And so the Lord who commends us and does this, he's the one who says, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you're doing. I know exactly why you're doing it. What's the motivation of the heart? And therefore, I commend you. Now, we, we know that human comparisons and the resulting, condom, uh, pardon me, the resulting commendations are often unfair, incorrect, incomplete. And they don't really add any lasting value or fulfillment because they don't recognize the unique and special nature of each person that God has created with the unique and special purpose and call. The commendations of the world are, by the very nature, very general. And any competition, regardless of the fact that there may be only one person who comes out on top, it is not still unique in that sense. But when the Lord commends us, he does so knowing exactly who we are. So any kind of unfairness, injustice, whatever else that you would think of about the world, world's commendations, you could be sure that the Lord doesn't behave like this. But then why do we continue to crave the commendations of others? Why do we continue to desire someone saying to us, oh, that's good. Why do we do that? Because when we think that we are not receiving commendations from God, 
or when we think that we are not worthy enough to receive commendations from God, we seek commendations from somewhere else. We come up, consciously or unconsciously, with God's substitutes. We say, I don't think God is pleased with me. Or, I don't think God can be pleased with me. So therefore, I'll do what I need to to get people to praise me, for people to commend me. Or, if that's not possible, I'll commend myself. I'll be a self-made man. I will show people what I have done. I built this up, and I will commend myself. All of that is a substitute for God's commendations. Do you see what, what that is saying, what that is doing? So what that means is that when we look to the Word and we look to what the Word is telling us, we have to respond and apply the Word of God that we have heard by seeking the approval and the commendations of the Lord. We have to say, Lord God, I want to live in such a way that I hear you. I hear your voice saying, good, good job. Not where I'm going somewhere else. Not where I'm seeking something else. Not where I'm looking for approvals in all the wrong places. What happens to us when we seek approval from anywhere other than from God is that we become vulnerable to those influences. The source of our commendation becomes the point of our influence. Right? If you're going to somebody who says, oh, great job, you are so good, you're, you know, you're great, and now they say something else to us, are we willing to receive it from them? Much more likely. Because that person has already given us, they have built an inroad, they have a channel into our lives that is formed through these commendations. So the source of our commendations becomes the point of influence. And so now we've placed ourselves in situations where these sources of influence, sources of commendation, therefore sources of influence, can affect our lives adversely. If God is the source of our commendation, if we're saying, God, I look to you and I will receive your commendation, what becomes the point of influence? God does. God is the one that we will look to, listen to, and we'll say, Lord, if you have said that this is good, what should I do to keep it going? What should I do to get to better? What's the next thing? How do I excel in this? And so we listen to God. But if we're listening to people, right? And you know this even in a work situation. You get commended for something. You say, oh, what can I do to get to the next level? And whoever gave you that commendation is glad to pile on more work. Is glad to say, oh, you have to take on this responsibility. You do this, you do that. Then you'll get to the next. And we say, okay, that's what I'll do. Because why? Because that next level of commendation seems attractive. And again, don't hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. By all means, work hard, get the promotions, do those things, take on additional responsibilities, do all of that. But do it for the right reasons. Do it with the right motivation. Do it understanding what the impact of it is. Is this the right season of life? What is the impact of what I'm about to do? What is the Lord bringing me into? And you receive from the Lord His wisdom with His commendation so that you can move forward with strength. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and all these things will be added to you. What things? You know what we think about? All the material things. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll have food on the table. If I seek God first and the kingdom, you know, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll have all the things that I need for my life. But let's think about that verse in the context of what we've just talked about slightly differently. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all his approvals and commendations will follow. Let that be our reality. That we say, Lord God, I will go after the things of God. I'll go after whatever you want me to do. I'll pay attention to your word. I will live according to your spirit. And when I do that, Lord, I want to hear you talk to me and say, Lord God, that you are pleased with me, that you approve of what I'm doing, and that you would say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, from all of these scriptures, we learn so much that, Lord, we need to apply in our lives. And Father, I pray right now that each one of us will examine ourselves. Lord, let us consider what, what are the influences in our lives? Which area of life or what is the source of commendations that we are seeking? Is it from others? Is it from ourselves? Lord, have we become so accustomed to those voices that we're not listening to the voice of God? Do we think that we cannot be receiving commendations from you? Do we find or think of ourselves as unworthy? Lord, you examine our hearts. Let the word have its work in us today so that, Lord, even today we would make a commitment to say, I'm not committed to get all the approvals and commendations of the world. If they come, great, fine, wonderful. But I am committed to seek you first, Lord. I am committed to obey you, Lord. I am committed to follow in your ways, Lord. I am committed to be led by the Spirit, Lord. I am committed for the decisions of my career and the next stage of my life and all sorts of things that need to happen. I'm committed for all of this to happen in such a way that you will say to me, Lord, at every milestone and certainly at the end of my days, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. Oh, Lord God, let that be our reality in the church, each one of us. Lord, let us indeed encourage one another with words of commendation. When we see somebody doing a good job, let us encourage them. But Lord, help us to also, Lord, in direct ways or indirect ways, let us also, with much prayer, be people in this church, Lord, who are seeking to be approved of God. Whose commendations are we seeking? Lord, let it be you and you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.